Welcome to the Program Pod, a production from the RCBC Podcast Network that offers a first-hand perspective from an RCBC student, faculty member, and employer. Hello and welcome to the Program Pod, a production of the RCBC Podcast Network where we take an RCBC program and do a deep dive from three different perspectives, faculty, student, and employer. Thanks for joining the conversation with me, your host, Jay Varga. And our first episode, we're talking all things engineering and technology. With us today, we have Justin Shupachevich, a recent graduate who overcame addiction and is working full-time at Lockheed Martin. Frank Cumbo, president and CEO of Denton Vacuum, a local manufacturer specializing in computer chips. And Dave Wilson, faculty member and program coordinator for RCBC's engineering and technology programs. RCBC embraces a student-first philosophy, and we have a student with an exceptional story today, and that's Justin. Justin, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome to the first ever program pod. And you have an exceptional story that uh, is an inspiring journey to RCBC and your position with Lockheed Martin. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so um, growing up, I always did well in school and, you know, tried my best. I have good parents that always try to teach me well. But, um, you know, when you start getting into high school and all that, you start seeing different things. You start learning new things and wanting to try new things. So um, I was always the type where I really didn't want to participate in any of, like, you know, drinking or alcohol during uh, high school. But I noticed that a lot of my friends wanted to also do that. And at one point, I, I like, even if anyone smoked or drank, I wouldn't even talk to them anymore. Like, I would try to just not, you know, communicate with them. But uh, starting to see that's like, everyone's kind of doing it, and I can't just, like, you know, isolate myself from everybody. You kind of just jump into it and... Peer pressure. Do the same, it's exactly. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's peer pressure, you know? So, you know, I, I started trying um, marijuana and alcohol, and it um, quickly, you know, got worse, and eventually I did... Um, it was during the opiate epidemic at the time, too. So I started, um, unfortunately, you know, experimenting with opiates and stuff like that. Um, the school found out. My parents did find out as well. They were heartbroken. The school was kind of heartbroken, too, because I knew, you know, I was very good, close with the uh, principal and uh, my teachers. So, um, yeah, eventually I did have to go to rehab and try to get clean. Um, it didn't really... Uh, work out the first time it never does i think it's like a 10 percent of people actually get clean when they when they go to rehab so i i I came back from uh the rehab still was going to school now they were going to let me still at least graduate if you get caught with something like that in school you can't go to prom you can't go to disney so that was all taken away but i was at least able to graduate because i did good good grades at least um so after graduating i uh tried to move to Florida to try to just get away and, you know, change my uh, surroundings. And that really didn't help at all either. I was still kind of doing the same thing. Uh, So I came back to New Jersey maybe six months later and, um, you know, kind of convincing my parents that I'm clean and they think I am. They kind of might see something going on, but they just don't want to even engage in it because they don't want to be heartbroken again. So it comes to that point where eventually you can't hide the truth. You, you, yeah, you can't hide it. And, you know, they found out again and they said, all right, you need to, you know, get clean. And it's, if it wasn't for them, I really wouldn't be, have pushed so hard. Cause I, at, eventually you hit the rock bottom where you're just tired of disappointing them and you're tired of being the failure, you know, of the family or, um, you know, I crashed my car twice. That really wasn't fun either. So, <laughs> yeah. So eventually I was like, you know, I need to, um, get sober. So I, I went to California this time. I was like, you know, I need to get far away and, um, went to rehab there and I, and I loved it. It was really nice. You know, California, it's beautiful and it's, it's a nice place to get away. Um, 
so I came back home and I was clean for a little bit, but I did eventually go back to like drinking and stuff and, and, uh, marijuana. So, you know, eventually I'm like, I can't do any of this. Like, it's just not going to work out for me. I need to just stop completely. And I, so my parents said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go back to California. I want their sober living out there. I didn't try that yet. I was always just trying, you know, quick rehab. Uh, so I went out there and, and started sober living. Um, I eventually got a couple jobs. I worked at like Walmart, um, which was far away. I actually had to get rides every day. I had to ride my bike. So that was kind of humbling. Um, but it was just too far. So I had to quit that job. So then I worked at a Domino's, which I worked for in New Jersey. Um, so I kind of knew how it ran. So I started working at the Domino's in, uh, San Diego and I loved it. And I eventually started working 40 hours a week. I became the, uh, assistant manager, um, then the, like the lead assistant manager to the general manager and, um, worked really hard, made, made good money. And then I got an apartment. So I was able to leave the sober living, live on my own. And, um, you know, I, I was really moving forward. It was nice to do things for myself. I was able to buy a car myself, which was awesome. Um, so then three years went by. I said, you know, I think I'm ready to go back home. My parents were very unsure about me coming back home, but I said, you know, I, I think I can do this. So I went back home and, um, I started working for Domino's back home as well. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to try to become a general manager. I know I can do it and I'm going to uh, go for it. So within three months of being back in New Jersey, um, I was probably 21 at this time, 22, and I, I um, became general manager. So that lasted for a couple of months, maybe like six, seven months. And I said, you know, I don't know if I want to do this for my whole life. And uh, another general manager friend mentioned to me, she said that she wants to go back to college. And I really didn't even think about that at the time. Like, hey, like, you know, I've been sober for this long. I can go back to college and right. maybe try to become something. So I, I knew that I really liked electronics. I, you know, I always fix my parents' phones or my grandparents if they have any issues. I mean, what kids don't fix parents' phones these days? Though? That is true. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So we always got all the, you know, the tips and tricks. So I thought, okay, I'll go to college for um, electronic engineering. So I eventually, you know, came here in um, 2019. I started and um, was working really hard, did the uh, three or four classes a semester. And then when summer came around the next summer, I was working at a, just a pizza shop, but I was, uh, doing uh, freshman engineering clinic one. And that's when I met professor Wilson. And, um, you know, I always, he, he's been a great teacher. He's a great educator and he's, he teaches everyone really well. And I just kind of got, you know, attached to him. I thought that he was, um, a really good guy. And, uh, so we decided to, uh, work on the project and I made a watering plant project, which came out really cool. Um, and then we had, uh, another class together. We had circuits two together. So I took circuits two before circuits one. I missed the, the class, but I took circuits two together. And I also had professor Wilson at this time and throughout the whole time of being in his classes, he would always try to push, um, the students to try to go for internships or any opportunities that he found, online or it was told about he would send them our way so it was probably the first second or, or it was the second or third one but it was for Lockheed Martin and that, that's something I forgot to mention I really wanted to work at Lockheed Martin in the beginning like when I that was the reason I went to uh, college again I'm like I, I would love to work for them so he gave me that opportunity he's like hey there's an opening for Lockheed Martin it's an internship so I said I jumped on it and I um, was interviewed by my boss Alex Silvestro and um, 
I became an intern. It was awesome. I had a great time. I started June 28th, and on September 7th, I uh, became full-time. So I'm, I'm working there now, and I'm loving loving life. It's awesome. It's, yeah. awesome. it's an awesome story to go from addiction Thank and everything you. to that. Yeah. Professor Wilson, what is it like to work with students like Justin when everything just seems to kind of click in? Thank you, Jason. Uh, Justin, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, here, uh, this is how we answer your question. And so uh, this what you would do. Uh, first thing, it is good to actually be able to uh, uh, be able to tell actually students actually aptitudes, their desires to succeed. And then you must be able to provide the assisting, the opportunities, you know, and then they have to help them grow through. So as educator, it should kind of be incubating upon us to actually uh, provide those assistance, those means, and get to know our students quite better. And so what we do is uh, uh, in our EGR, which is our early uh, 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 clinics classes, engineering clinic classes, we have a series of steps, right? So the very first week, what we do is we use the first week course content to actually determine and motivate the students to the point where we feel we know their skills, we know what they bring on board, what are their failures, what they are not good in, what are their weakness. And then you put all of that together and get to know exactly what the students definitely can do. Sure. With that in mind, you now can set a goal and then create the motivations and inspiration for the students so that they themselves then can strive, strive through and be able to succeed. And so uh, with that, uh, we do that pretty good. And Justin was one of the students. The very first time he, I met him uh, in my classes, and I do that with all of my students. Thank God all of my students are pretty good students. But Justin was able to actually sink in very well. I saw the desires. I saw the interest. And, you know, something told me, um, this little lot of story about his, uh, you know, additions in the past was something I didn't know. But I saw something that this kid really wanted to change his, his life. He was always asking me questions. He was always very close. He would ask a lot of questions. After class, he would come back and begin to ask me things that I think this really needs something. And that, when he said that, uh, I drew him closer. That was one of the, clo- the reasons why. And that was not all. Justin really had a couple of skills. He's, he's more eager and hungry to learn. And so uh, I, I would say the truth, he strived very hard. He did pretty good in classes. He brought a lot on board. He programs very, very well. You know. Thank you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, his successes are a composition of what his own hunger to learn and us reaching forward to say, look, these are the opportunities. These are the things we can provide and guiding him through. It's nice when a, like a student like that comes along, though. Right. You know, sometimes it makes your job a little easier yeah, as well. True. You know, I used to teach as well, and I, mean, I try to find internships and get into broadcasting and stuff, too. You know the ones that really wanted that drive, yeah. um, which is great. Again, another great story. And I can't thank you enough, but my mom also can't thank you enough. She she loves you. <laughs> <laughs> so I never met the guy, but I love him. <laughs> um yeah. Professor Wilson, the program pod, as, as you know, takes a triangular view of education with points among faculty, students, and employer. How do we engage with the local employers? Okay, so uh, I, I would say this. That is the goal for which we're here, right? So our goal, first thing, the end goal is to make sure that our students succeed, right? The second thing is we really want to make sure that our students graduate and are able to 
take part and compete in the OSAT world, right? And all of that goes putting it together. We have to do a survey and get to know what our community is, what are the industries, and what they really demand of us. And so uh, outreach is one of the big things we do. We kind of do outreach for our own communities. We engage community leaders. We engage uh, our industries. We engage uh, the employers. And then uh, with a survey, we know what they need. That comes into our curriculums and so forth, you know. And that helps a whole lot for us to know exactly what we're teaching, you know. Uh, and, and so uh, that's 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 the easier way. We, we that's that's the reason for which we actually engage our employers, and they in turn are kind of you know fall right back on us and say, "Listen, this is what we want. We want to see what you have." So, how does that actually? Um Improve the program, developing meaningful connections with the employers and the students by with this advisory board. Oh, that such. okay. So if breaking the advisory board, that's pretty good. Uh, and and I would say there's a lot of things that advisory board does uh, because the advisory board I will put in two words, two major things they do. They provide advising, and they are the policemen. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what to do? Uh, and there is no specific order to this. The advisory board actually help us to, uh, they help us on advising our curriculums, okay. our programs, our courses, courses changes, and all of that. And they kind of do the outreach, actually finding other industries out there. And uh, the good thing they do is they kind of work in between to let us know what the industry out there are, what the employers need, what is in our curriculum to meet those demands. How can we do changes? How can we update our curriculums, our programs, and so forth, so that they will meet the demands of our employers? So the advisory board actually do much more of that. And the end thing is that all of that gears towards preparing us because we are an AP-accredited institution. So with all of the advices that board provide, the policing and seeing that we're meeting these demands, that our curriculums are meeting the needs, and so forth, it helps us also to cross over and make uh, the ABA accreditations, which just recently, because for good news, we just got accredited nice. uh, our EET programs. And that was also good because advisory board has worked along with us through that and led us through the preparations and going through the accreditations. So the advisory board, in short, uh, is the, what would you call them? The building block between everyone else, the employer, the students, us, helping us to meet the employer's need, helping us to meet actually the needs of getting our curriculums, meeting the demands, and at the same time, helping us to prepare our students for the all-star work competitions. So they are the policemen and the advisor. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the advisory board, we're joined by the chair of RCBZ's engineering uh, advisory board, Frank Cumbo, president and CEO of Denton Vacuums. Frank, welcome. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit about Denton Vacuum? Sure. Thank you very much. Denton Vacuum is a capital equipment uh, manufacturer for the semiconductor industry. We focus on the uh, optoelectronics uh, area markets. So we make equipment that helps uh, build chips that turn into lasers, turn into night vision goggles, turn into sensors that you use for your LIDAR for your car for like a uh, collision avoidance and, you know, those lane control uh, 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 driving assist uh, programs they have now. It's all, it's all called LIDAR. Very high tech. I think 40% uh, of our employees are, are uh, four-year degree uh, employees. And then there's a, a number of uh, two-year degree employees as well. Um, mechanical engineering... <coughs> 
excuse me, electrical engineering, computer engineering. So uh, Justin, we'll, we'll steal you away from Lockheed someday, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, if you're a good programmer, we, we need good programmers. Um, we have uh, process engineering, so it's heavy into the chemical engineering uh, side of things, physics. Uh, we do a lot with light because it's the opto part of electronics. So um, everything you do with uh, you know electromagnetic spectrum, uh, UV light, uh, IR light, infrared light. Um, so it's it's very high tech, and uh, you know, I think uh, just a great place to uh, for for anyone has a you know a love for a passion for uh, technology to, to work at. So why was it important for you to be a part of the advisory board, and why do you think it was a you know this is valuable to an employer? Uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, um, it's very valuable. First, uh, I think one of the, the foundations in any any company are the the people. It's all the, the people, and uh, we're big believers at, at Denton and in, in training our workforce. So that's how I first got acquainted with uh, RCBC. In fact, was through the Workforce Development Group and um, working with them to apply for a, a grant at New Jersey that I can help train my employees. So we uh, were able to, to uh, win a grant from the state, and we provided uh, our employees uh, Six Sigma training for quality management, <coughs> uh, project management training, and leadership training. Um, so from the workforce development, uh, somehow I got associated with the STEM division and Dr. Tete. And, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Tete uh, asked if I would be interested in being on his board, and I said yes, and that led to being the leader of the board. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a, a great, uh, fulfilling, rewarding um, uh, position because uh, for a few reasons. Number one is you're, you're helping the college. You're helping the college with their strategic plan and accessibility, affordability, and quality. But, you know, for our own personal interests at Denton Vacuum, we're also able to, to make relationships with the professors and the students and find the best students and, and try to bring them into our companies. Um, you know, as, uh, as uh, Professor Wilson was describing, you know, we help with the curriculum development. We, you know, we, our goal is to have uh, employees come to work for us and start, and uh, start uh, hit the ground running on day one. It's kind of let the model we use. So, uh, working with the college, we def, you know, help define what soft skills like leadership and team building uh, skills that they need, what hard skills like solid works and you know whatever the. the uh, specific courses are in, in mechanical engineering uh, technology or electrical engineering technology to help make sure that those students uh, have the right skills and, and tool sets so when they come to work for Denton, they're, they're able to start uh, bringing value to the company right away. Professor Wilson, um, can you actually comment on why you think it's important that the faculty develop these personal relationships with the students and employers in the hiring process? Oh, yeah. Uh, before I do that, let me just go right back quickly because sure. I forgot this piece of it. Uh, here's another good thing the board does for us. They also just they also help us actually uh, with uh, when we when we talk about uh, helping us do all these changes in our courses and advancements on the curriculum and so forth. They also help us also to uh, work perfectly in the directions where we can be able to uh, create those uh, uh, transferability credits for our students to higher institution as well. Well, uh, with these questions, uh, I would say. Um, Again, that's just bring us back to the goal for which the engineering department and the objective for which we stands, and and, and and what are we created for? What do we do? What do we want to achieve? And the end result is actually to prepare our students to be able to meet with the external demands, which is the world demands. And so uh, 
what we do actually the reason that the faculties and everyone will do is first thing be able to create a survey and see uh, what is needed you know to help us reach this goal uh, what are the employers what do they want once we get to do that then of course we have to look on the other side and say what do we have for the employers you know and so the faculty reaching out for to 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 faculties or any us reaching out to employers, employer reaching back to us through either the board or directly, the end result is to make sure we are meeting the goals, our objectives, and then at the same time being able to prepare our students for the real world. So Justin, with all of that, how was your, you know from your perspective as a student, how was this whole you know this process? How sweet you know you talked about. Professor Wilson and the admiration that you have for them, but for the whole, even like the Lockheed Martin, you know, the hiring process and obviously Professor Wilson helping out with that. How was, how did that go for you? I think it's great. I mean, throughout this whole college experience, there's been plenty of companies that come in and they'll talk to us for, for example, we had Radwell come in um, maybe uh, last year and spoke with the class, did a little slideshow PowerPoint and they showed us kind of what they do and, and said, if anyone wants to come for a tour, they can come check it out. Um, there's plenty of opportunities around here to um, do something with engineering. Um, we had that meet and greet last week, which was really great. That was uh, something that it was uh, fun to experience. And um, I just think it's, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity. Um, Lockheed's very good with also pitching in, as is Denton. They really do help, you know, the students prepare for the, the world, you know, getting out there and knowing what, what to do and, having those tools to do it. Um, for example, right now we, you know, we learn how to use the oscilloscope. Um, so Lockheed, they're going to donate a couple, um, uh, what is it? Network analyzers, I believe. That's and, right. And spectrum analyzers. So we'll know how to use that as well. So there's never been courses for those. So they're going to make those courses specifically for those machines, which are used at companies. So it's all kind of hand in hand, um, with, you know, the companies and the school. It's pretty exceptional. And, and just to add to what Justin just said, though, and, and, and just, just, just this is, these are things we do here. Just but, uh, I mean, besides us having these hand-on courses and classes, having these project classes, having these uh, prototypes being built by students, uh, projects are being designed, we bring the industry to the classroom. So we actually bring the industry class to the classroom by... Uh, uh, bringing in professionals, engineers, and people in from these industries, partners, and they come to the classroom and hold our lectures, you know, with the students. So that's one of the way we kind of open up the students' horizons to kind of see outside the classroom, but outside in the classroom. Outside the classroom, but in the classroom. Yes. To the industries, we do field trips as well. So it, it's a lot of things we do to build on our to build our students' successes. It's amazing when you do that type of stuff. Again, when I was teaching, it was the same thing because they don't really understand until they see it for themselves. That's right. right? Or, or talk from industry uh, experts. Right. Um, just because sometimes you're just the one voice of the classroom. But when you bring it to them, then it kind of like stimulates them uh, a little bit more in case in point with Justin. Oh, yeah. But talking right. about these projects, uh, Justin, the, the self-watering plant, um, can you describe that a little bit? Okay. Yeah, sure. So um, the, the watering plant project was uh, built with a group of us. I believe it was uh, four or five of us. So what uh, we did, I did the, the coding. Um, it had um, a temperature gauge, uh, moisture sensor. Um, it also had a light sensor. So it knew if the sun was up or down. It wondered what are the plants if it was uh, sundown because you need to water the plants in the morning. Uh, we did a lot of research with that as well. It's part of the 10-step the engineering process. Um, 
So, yeah, so it, it also has the timer. So there's a 24-hour timer on it. It will water the plants every 24 hours, check the moisture levels. So if the if it's already at a good moisture level, it won't water the plants. Um, or if it's really hot because of that temperature sensor, it will water the plants as well. But it's also checking, is it hot? Is it nighttime? It's checking, you know, when's the last time the timer went off? What's the moisture levels like? So it's it's checking all these things, and it's um, it was a really cool project to work on. Now, this year we worked on, um, it was kind of like a Carvana project. That was another one that we did. So that one I did a little different. Um, so one thing with the with the watering plant project, that also had a, a remote control, so you can, you know, control it from uh, a distance. So this project that I wanted to do with the Ferris wheel project, I wanted to add Bluetooth. So it also had its own kind of wireless communication going on. Because if you have a, a Ferris wheel system, we, that's kind of what we used for Carvana you can't really have wires attached to the Ferris wheel or <laughs> you're going to get all tangled <laughs> up. So we had Bluetooth to um, talk to it and send the gyroscope, gyroscopic signals to the uh, Arduino. And Arduino is usually what we use in the school. Um, we also have um, a DE1 board, which, we're, which I'm working on now in digital electronics. So I, um, there's been a couple of projects that I worked on, and they're... I love them, <laughs> probably because they're mine. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Did you get a um, Did you get a patent on that self watering plant? No, I, I did know a not. lot of people that can do that. <laughs> probably my wife as well. She's not, which ironically enough, she's a, her mother's a florist, but oh wow, just not. No, she doesn't have too much success rate with the actual <laughs> the plants. So self watering plants like that. But Professor Wilson, these type of projects, um, how are they from RCBC the RCBC students projects? How are they um, on par with some of the projects you've seen presented with four year universities? Uh, okay, so so uh, I, I would say that there is a much difference on what is done in four-year universities or other areas, because my experience is that uh, I actually have had the opportunity to run uh, engineering programs in other schools, and most of these projects are projects that we have done in the past. So as as we're talking right here, one of the things we're trying to do right now is the watering project, the ferry wheels, and even with my students' last project was a vending machine, so that is able to provide you whatever you wanted. And those projects, I have told the students, Justin's other is going to break those projects down. We're going to rebuild it and update it to some level, right? And 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 what we're trying to do is, and that that goes through once we do those, we will see if those what we're creating is actually. Uh, different fully from what is out there and that's one two but uh, we know we are doing something different uh with what we're doing like the vending machine we're doing right now we uh, that the students have right now it's a bluetooth uh, controls device actually so you can walk up to a vending machines it doesn't matter you just mm -hmm. take your phone and be able to get what you want you don't have to go and touch that of course it's good for uh coffee people right <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah so uh and in answer, in short answer, the, what we're doing here isn't really different from what is being done in other schools. We're following the same process, the 10 steps engineering designs processes, and they are doing the same thing we are doing. That's great stuff. Have a good success rate because he's, you know, Justin over here being locked up by Lockheed <laughs> Martin itself, living the dream. Not just Justin's. We also have uh, of uh, companies that employ some of our students as well. Yes. Frank, you have how many students do you have with us? Right we now? have uh, four uh, from, from Rowan, um, three from the university, one intern now. He was a summer intern um, in mechanical engineering. He did such a great job. We uh, decided to keep him through the fall. And we're hoping that we are able to make him an offer in May. So... Bring them on board full time. Um, you know, I, I 
I think Justin uh, mentioned the meet and greet, and I got to see all these um, these uh, projects. Uh, really incredible. I mean, it's it's so similar to what we do in our company in terms of the sensors and the controls and the software uh, to make it all work right. It's just it's it's great to see that these um, young students are able to, to put a project like that together. And again, that's that type of work will allow them to hit the ground running on day one when they come work for Denton. What type of demand is there for what your guys are? Uh, I think in, you know, just in the South Jersey region in general, I think it's very strong. There's a lot of high tech manufacturing companies, uh, even just in a five mile right radius around Rowan, um, you know, specifically at Denton, we're, we're a small company, but we're growing very quickly. And one of our biggest challenges and a lot of companies have the same challenge is just talent management and, recruiting, you know, the right level uh, of uh, engineer or talent. Um, sometimes you can't, you, you don't need an entry level. You need somebody with experience. Sure. Um, but when you need an entry level and you have a relationship with, a, you know, a, a great uh, school like Rowan, it's, a, it's great to be able to recruit those, those uh, students and bring them into our company. And again, Justin, you're still in the 3 plus 1 program here at RCBC? Uh, yeah, so apparently they're bringing it back. So it wasn't – It was they were trying to make it happen when I first started here, but it never really transpired. But apparently it's it's going to, to start back up, so I'm very excited for that. So what would you tell to an aspiring student like yourself? Um, obviously, you have a great story to tell, obviously overcoming addiction and doing to what you're doing now, working for that dream job of Lockheed Martin. Uh, but someone's just kind of maybe – I don't want to say lost, but just looking for maybe a new direction or, or something inspiring. Why engineering technology? What makes you passionate about it and being a part of this program where you can team up with people like Frank and Professor Wilson? It's kind of funny because I have a lot of friends that um, aren't going to college, and I tell them, like, the first thing I tell them is go on RCBC's website and look at their you know courses, what they have to offer. There's a whole page of all different things, and you can know you can check those all out and kind of find something that catches your eye, maybe, you know, circle three, three of them. And from there, you know, you just kind of – think like what do you really like to do what's something that you enjoy doing um you know when you first get out of high school not everyone knows what they want to do most most people don't know what they want to do um I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out of high school I did not expect to do electronic engineering um but yeah just always you know it take take the time to find what you really love don't rush it um because you don't want to just waste the money you know that's that's an important thing too but uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here, and if you find something that you love, you're sure to make it happen. What about you, Professor Wilson? What would you say to a, a prospective student? I would just go right back to what Justin is saying, because that is what I told you. We have this uh, clinic one course, which is the uh, 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 engineering clinics, and like I said, in that engineering course, we take the very first, we just exactly what Justin just said, and we kind of build up the students, help them to really decide, give them an idea of what engineering is, what are the different type of engineering courses, uh, what are engineering professions, uh, and then see that uh, they develop interest. So the f- engineering clinic course we have is really, really good. Uh, it helps you, it helps the students to actually determine what they really want to do, what sort of engineering career they want to pick up for their lives and so forth. How can they go through that? How can they strive through that? You know, how they can be successful and all of that. So, uh, Again, don't stay out there. You know, Justin's just told you that, right? Go on the website, look at the curriculums, look at the, the content we provide. Uh, I'm on the website as well as the Chair of Engineering, uh, Applied Engineering Technology Department, Mr. Wilson. My extension is there. Give me a call if you need to ask a few questions. I do that very often. We can discuss. And I can provide 
the answers to some of your questions. And then we have also, of course, the, uh, the, 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 the European office here called in directly, uh, the counseling office as well. So there's more help here that, plenty. Right, that yeah. can provide or answer to most of your questions. And, of course, the website is The RCB- website is also pretty good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but rcbc.edu yeah. for those right. uh, listening where they are. Well, gentlemen, again, uh, thought, oh, this has been awesome for the inaugural production of the program, part here, or program pod excuse me, on the RCBC podcast uh, network. We're going to start taking a lot more dives into programs that are awesome, just like yours, uh, and hearing these great experiences. Um, and thanks for sharing so much. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go to wrap it up or come some final thoughts from any one of you? No, I just appreciate your time. Yeah, if you want just, to say something. Just one final thought to kind of uh, elaborate on what Justin and, and Professor Wilson were saying. Sure. You know, I, I, one thing I really like with the two-year degree and the lead to the four-year degree is just the hands-on nature. I mean, our jobs at Denton are very hands-on. You're, you're working on equipment. You're fixing problems all the time. You know, so these projects that they're working on, plus all the, you know, the machine tools that uh, I know in the mechanical engineering area, have their students work on that. It really gives you appreciation for when you design something. If you have to build it, you get a different appreciation for maybe design for manufacturability. Or, and so I think you know putting it all together, uh, it's a really comprehensive way that RCBC is going to the training student. And you know, just one last thought um, is the soft skills. And I think one of the things that the advisory board has really worked closely with Rowan on is, is really just making sure the students have the the leadership skills, the team building skills, the quality management skills, some of the things you don't usually see in a curriculum. Uh, you usually see in physics, chemistry, biology, yeah, but this is, you know, not, not uh, uh, lean manufacturing or Six Sigma. So it's, it's really been, I think, a, a great uh, teamwork to work together on that type of curriculum. And uh, uh, I just want to throw a little bit of light on it. So, uh, that's why we're talking about all of these uh, going, uh, 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 talking about hands-on projects and uh, internship, employment, and so forth. We, our curriculums are also set and to have you also transfer to higher institutions. So uh, we have our curriculums. I mean, our credits are being accepted by Rowan, Drexel, Rackel, and many other higher institutions around the area. So uh, we're not just limited to having you preparations for a uh, job market, but you can also continue your higher education as well. Lots of good stories to be sharing with everybody. And again, just want to thank everybody here for the inaugural production of the program pod. And I uh, just want to thank our guest again, student, RCBC student, and great story. Such an uh, awesome success story. Justin Shupachevich, Frank Cumbo, again, president and CEO of Denton Vacuum, the local manufacturer specializing in computer chips. And of course, RCBC's own Dave Wilson, faculty member and program coordinator of RCBC's engineering and technology programs. I'm Jay Varga. And if you want to learn more about RCBC's programs, which we talked about, you can go to our website at rcbc.edu. Also, be sure to subscribe to the program pod so you can join us again next month and if you appreciate the show jump on over to itunes click on the like button hit subscribe all that good stuff and we once again thank you for listening and we'll do it again soon 